Losers hang with winners. Welcome to the House of Strauss. Welcome to the Parade of Losers. It's the Losers Parade on this episode. I couldn't avoid it. There's such a delicious synergy. For those of you who do not know, because we do have these people who listen sometimes, and they're not sports nuts, they're not NBA nuts, we have Sam Esfendiari, who does a very popular Golden State Warriors podcast, Light Years, and we've got Spike Eskin, who does a very popular Philadelphia 76ers podcast, the rights to Ricky Sanchez, both teams over the weekend, disappointingly eliminated from the playoffs. And I am so interested in how to handle this because I never knew what to do. For a little background, when I was at The Athletic, we could finally see a direct financial connection to our output. And it made me realize, I think maybe I always knew it, but when I was at ESPN and the Warriors lost, I I knew I would write up my stuff and I felt like I was doing the job I needed to be doing. And I didn't totally have a great sense of how many people were reading one way versus the other. But when I was at The Athletic, I, I could see that if the Warriors won that series, for instance, and I had a great story with some stuff you couldn't have gotten anywhere else. Oh man, maybe I would I would rack up a hundred subscriptions, maybe two hundred. Really hit it, maybe over maybe over three hundred. But if they lost, you're just I mean you're you're pushing a string. I mean maybe you get two if you really contextualize it well. So looking at you two gentlemen, I wonder from a business perspective, since you're almost alongside the journey with the fans emotionally i'm so curious about how you handle it and we can get into a bunch of different topics i just want to start off saying that i listened to both of your episodes in the aftermath of disaster and the contrast emotionally could not have been more stark i'm just going to say that right now um because i doubt i bet you guys are busy doing the mop-up duty on the season i'm sure you haven't had time to check out one another's stuff but um, the emotional tenor, oh my God, listening to Sam's very, you know, disappointed immigrant dad as as is typical with a little, maybe even a hint of satisfaction that he saw it coming. And it's more of a conversation of, you know, what do they got to do? Obviously, Steph's still there. You know, does this guy got to go? Does that guy? Oh, we'll get to it next episode. Oh my God, the emotional tumult of the rights to Ricky Sanchez in the aftermath of that with... I mean, it was beautiful in a way because you and your co-host, Spike, and I'll stop monologuing eventually. I apologize. I'm just going. But you and your co-host have a bit of a contrast, and that's part of the juice of the whole thing. And everybody's kind of, um, you know, do they get along? Don't they? I've seen that in your fan community. Is this like an Andre 3000 big boy situation? But you're just in this searing pain and disappointment and disavowing, and you're just on the same emotional page. And I found that beautiful. So we'll start with Spike, your approach, and then we'll go with Sam. So the approach to that episode or just in general to... to In general, in wherever you want to take it. Okay. I monologued a lot. I'm sorry. So I don't anymore, while I think the numbers are interesting, and I agree with you when they... Now, last night, is at least as far as YouTube, was our most viewed show of all time, even just after mm. like 
16 hours now. So, and we, you know, but I don't, I think the numbers are interesting and big events affect our numbers, but we don't really, the way we monetize it isn't affected by our ups and downs in traffic because we sell long-term deals and they're based on an average. And I'm just, I'm always looking for it to be good and get bigger, but I don't, I don't, I don't think we do things specifically within content to make us bigger. And I don't think about them winning, changing that. I think the emotional, what I've learned about Okay. Let me go back one step. Somebody said to us on Twitter earlier this week, she said, after Mike O'Connor, who's one of our writers, wrote an article about how they had to win this game because of the, basically the emotional damage that it would do if they didn't, given that this is 10 years since Hinky got hired, 10 years that we all, we've all been in this together. And it felt like a moment. And if they didn't do it, that there would be sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when you don't care anymore? Apathy. Um, apathy. There would be apathy and that, that we've never felt apathy. And somebody responded that what she isn't a, a Sixers fan, but what she likes about the Ricky is how in touch with our feelings we all are and how <laughs> vulnerable we all seem about all of this. <laughs> and it does seem personal. It seems personal for us, I think, because of the sort of public war that was waged inside that we were made to take early on. And and Bede specifically as a, because everybody else is gone, as a representative of that journey. And if he fails, then it feels like everything has failed and we have failed and it's hopeless. And there are, you're right. Generally, Mike and I have a different way of looking at things in that he is more emotional. I think it goes higher with wins and lower with losses. And I seem to be the realist guy, which allows me to see the bad when things are good and the good when things are bad, mm. because I, 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 I don't sway like that. But Given the moment and the importance of the moment that we all felt at the same time and the just incredible failure from the one person we had hoped had not failed us, um, it felt like honest, but it also felt that we owed the people who listen and the people who are in the community to be able to voice the thing that we thought that they all felt. So it wasn't acting, mm. but I wouldn't have held. It wasn't a time to hold back. That that is yeah. my. As far as the podcast in the off season, like there's a a narrative arc to every off season where we we know there's the draft and then there's free agency and then there's summer. We we know how all this works and there will be plenty of interest in it. But last night felt like an important podcast for us to do. Sorry, that was long. Yep. No, it was excellent. And the podcast was excellent. And I'm now, I'm now even, I'm amused when you're talking about how your business model <clears throat> isn't dependent on them winning or losing, because I'm just, I'm thinking about your co-host, emotional Michael Levin saying, there are going to be people who never, there's going to be a portion of people who never come back, who never come back to the Sixers because of tonight. He's advertising or because of today, he's <laughs> advertising that from here on out, this going concern we have will be less popular because of what happened, which who knows, but it's honest. Well, 
in fairness, Mike has never once engaged with the statistics of the podcast or the sales of the podcast <laughs> or the preparation of the podcast. So he is completely detached from that in general. But we did have a lot of people say today, wow, I'm never going to, I'll keep listening to the podcast, but I'm never watching the Sixers again. And I just thought, I thought that was a, a funny way to react to it for sure. Um, Sam, I'm surprised there wasn't more emotionality um coming off i know i know the difference the difference is what spike is saying the sixers haven't done it i mean people were throwing out that stat that they haven't been to a con i mean the kings have been to a conference finals more recently than the sixers have obviously i was the shocked Warriors when the- i when i heard that stat yeah. like I, I get it when i deconstruct it but i was like really and yeah, 19, I- 19 teams since the process began 19 teams have been to the conference finals 19 Jeez. and the sixers have yeah been. I mean, at the same time, you would have rather have been the Sixers during that stretch than you would the Kings. But still, it's a it's a jarring stat that illuminates something. Um, The Warriors, by contrast, have been the most successful team of the last 10 years. So that's a big that's a big difference. But to lose to LeBron, to lose the legacy points, I'm surprised there wasn't more pain. What say you? I've been saying I've been saying this the whole time. It. They were trying to paint it as Steph versus LeBron, and that's just not the vibe I was getting from our listeners, from people I talked to around the Bay Area. Like, we're so far beyond the uh, 2015, 16, 17, where there was like Mm. serious vitriol and animus there. And it was, you know, it was like a classic feud where both sides can't stand each other. I mean, anyone who watched that series would walk away from it saying Anthony Davis was the Lakers best player. And LeBron and Steph have kind of reached that, you know, mutual respect portion of their careers, whatever you think of either player, like every Warriors fan I talked to is like privately, they kind of like the guy. They just don't want to admit it publicly. So I always felt Mm. like that didn't, that doesn't actually meet people where they're at. And to Spike's point, like, there's moments this never felt like a moment for this fan base. I felt like two years ago.